Welcome. Thanks, everybody. We'll get started in a few minutes. Make sure to tweet out that we're here. Hey, John. Thanks for joining. Hey, Kelly, thanks a lot for having me on. Of course. Hey, Drew, we're getting started in a few. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Make sure to tweet out the room. Let folks know we're here. We'll get started in a few. get started. Thanks everybody for joining um, for our weekly Twitter spaces called NFTs for Good. I see some familiar faces. Hey, Kilroy, Antonio, I think Andrew, I think um, Tattooed3D. I've seen you before. I think you changed your profile pic though. <laughs> Jeremy, etc. Um, also, um, so yeah, I see a couple of folks. If I missed anybody, I'm sorry. Um, but thanks again for coming back and thanks to all the new people here. So NFTs for good, we're weekly Twitter spaces. It's all about highlighting the builders and founders in the NFT, Web3, and crypto space. We do this once every week at minimum. And you can check out the schedule on our website, www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash for dash good. And we know there are tons of stories that come out that talk about the not so great aspects of Web3 crypto and NFTs. But we believe here that if we keep talking about the positive aspects and how the people behind these projects and companies and movements are really trying to make the world a better place through Web3 cryptos and NFTs that we can continue to elevate and spread the word about the conversation. So with this show and with subsequent shows that we do, we'll be highlighting the people and founders that also include, you know, a social good component and what they're building. And we hope that two things can happen from this conversation. 
One, we hope you get to connect with another founder and hear their courageous journey of going from idea to building in public. And we also hope that you will be inspired by their stories and know that there are some really great people out here building the new internet. So you can check out our upcoming shows and sign up for updates at www.bluestudios.io backslash NFTs dash four dash good. And a quick disclaimer, all opinions of guests or hosts may not reflect the views of Blue Studios or its hosts. This Twitter spaces is for informational purposes only. None of the opinions of the show by the host or panelists can be considered investment advice. Please do your own research, be safe, and make sure that you talk to any investment or security advisors for more information on how NFTs and cryptos crypto fit into your collectible and ownership portfolio. This show is also being recorded so we can have it on the website and other places to promote future shows. So quickly before I um, do quick intros from our guests, I am Kelly, founder of Blue Studios. We built a community around education, family, and Web3. We do a learn-to-earn, play-to-earn model, leveraging our adorable robot, Bella, who is like our Mickey Mouse. And a big part of our project is around coming up with an innovative approach to educating and inspiring families to learn together, but to also onboard more families in a safe way to Web3. Super happy to be here today. And one of the reasons why I love doing this is that, hey, um, Web3, crypto NFTs is fast-paced. Um, it's 24 seven. And I think a lot of us have had to work harder and faster than we've ever had before, but it's nice to slow things down and dig deep with amazing founders and people and hear their stories, just like our guests here today. So with that, um, Drew and John, um, would love for you guys to just quickly introduce yourselves and obviously we'll, we'll dig deeper, but, um, figure you do a quick intro for the audience. And whoever wants to go first. <laughs> go for okay. it, John. Okay, thanks. I'll go in alphabetical order. I think E's before F. So, yeah, I'm John Ennis. I'm the CEO of a company called NeoSwap. And so I'm originally a mathematician. I have a PhD in math. I did my postdoc in computational neuroscience. And then I got into AI. I own a successful AI services business. Um, but I've been working on this problem that's really very well suited to Web3 for a, a long time, long before Web3, of finding best multi-way trades. And based on that, we founded a company called NeoSwap. And some of you may have seen the trades going on there uh, over the last several weeks where we bring together groups of people. So this you know, community aspect is a big part of what we do. We figure out best multi-way trades. So um, I can say more about that, but I think that kind of gives an idea uh, of what we do. And if it's okay with you, Kelly, I'll put a tweet at the top so people can see what these trades look like so that it makes sense to them. Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. I know you okay. always, I, you're famous for those trade uh, visuals. So I love seeing them. I was going to find one, but if you have one, you like, go ahead. And yeah, I'll just that go one. get one today. <laughs> so I'll put one up at the top and people can see what they look like. All right. Thanks. So I'll introduce myself. So my name is Drew Falkman. I'm logged in my company's website, which is friends and we're building a community growth application to support web three communities specifically. Um, and I, I can get more into how I got into it, but, um, basically over the last couple of years, I've helped a number of projects in the stacks ecosystem to grow, uh, like city coins and freehold and crash punks, um, and participated in other communities as well and saw that 
there is a distinct lack of good tooling to do this um, as there are in many other environments. So we set out to create things to help community managers have better projects and help members to be able to be seen more and get rewarded for their contributions. So that's what we're up to. Awesome. Awesome. So we, I will just start from the beginning. Um, so always love to start with the origin story. So how did you two get started in the Web3 space? So what inspired you to go to, from, hey, I'm fascinated by this space to I'm dedicating myself 24-7, 365 to making this happen? Okay, well, in, in my case with trading, that goes all the way back to my childhood where my parents used to do this strange thing where they would wrap up all the Christmas presents for the kids. So they'd buy the Christmas presents, wrap them up, but they wouldn't put labels on them. Instead, they just put them in a box and we had to pick them at random and then trade them with each other after we unwrapped them. Uh, and sometimes that was fun and sometimes it was not so fun, but it got me really interested in this problem of how do you trade stuff. And last year when I was kind of learning about stacks, I mean, I've always been interested in Bitcoin really um, for years now, but I started to learn about stacks and I started to get into NFTs. I realized that this uh, problem of NFT trading was very similar to this other problem I've been working on for a long time. Uh, people may have, maybe have this experience where you mint NFTs and you get an NFT at random. Maybe you love the collection, but you don't particularly like the NFT you got. That problem was like identical to the problem from my childhood, where you unwrap the gift and you don't like what you got and you have to trade it. So uh, I had been working on solving that problem. And I realized, OK, we can actually use Web3 tools to, uh, so it, to apply my algorithm and trade NFTs and make everybody better off. So once I realized that, it was kind of off to the races. I um, took a couple of employees at my current company, uh, my director of technology and head of AI, and we started to really work on it in earnest. And then, uh, you know, here we are a year later where I'm leaving, you know, stepping away from my old company. And I'm, um, I have a lot to say, actually, about these parties, and we can get into that later. But uh, I think this idea of people coming together with items that they own that maybe they think other people will value more than they do uh, and trading them with each other is actually really fun and it, it everyone benefits from these trades so i'm really inspired by doing this and i'm you know really excited to do it full-time in the near future so for myself um i'm actually not just a web two person but i'm actually a web one person <laughs> that's how old i am i feel like a dinosaur sometimes in uh in blockchain communities because everyone's like in their 20s and, and I'm, you can be my children basically um but I got started building a web agency and I've always been very interested in product. And actually in, in the first iteration of the web, um, I'd studied journalism in college. And when I got out, the web was starting to take off and I realized, okay, journalism is pretty much dead. <laughs> At least newspapers are. Um, and TV is going to change and everything's going to change. And we're going to start looking at things in a completely new, different way. And it was super exciting. Um, and I dove into that headfirst, really no technical experience, but I ended up teaching myself to program, becoming a CTO. Uh, I've worked on product and a number of startups over the years. And I got into, I discovered Bitcoin in about 2013 and sort of went down the Satoshi rabbit hole. And then in 2017, when after Ethereum came out and there were all these ICOs and everything going on, I got really interested. And. I think what fascinated me the most about it all, um, obviously the financial aspect is, is interesting, but 
was that there were all these communities that were developing. They were developing around blockchains. They were developing around projects that were happening. Um, and as NFTs came online, they started building these communities and the concept of DAOs started emerging. Uh, and this was fascinating to me that this fundamentally what looks like a financial technology is actually a community building technology. Um, and so I got interested in that, started building things, learned Ethereum, built a DAO tool. Um, and then last year I got into Stacks. Um, basically, Lewis sort of pulled me in um, and said, hey, you know, we should build some community tooling over here. And that was kind of the, the end of that, as they say. Super cool. Um, so, you know, both of you, I, I think one of the reasons why I want to have you guys both on the show is because um, I feel like you guys are helping foster and, and engage communities in different ways um, in the Web3 space. Um, based on what you, you know, basically like based on what you um, found from like customers or other communities, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see for communities to grow and thrive in the Web3 space? Well, let me just say that I think Drew is friends is addressing one of the biggest challenges because, you know, we have our own community now at NeoSwap for managing these trades. And really the tools are terrible. Discord is not well built for managing communities. I mean, maybe someone else has the secret sauce for this, but we have found that Discord is really a mess. And I think the work that Drew and friends uh, are doing to streamline that process is incredibly valuable. So uh, I would say that's one thing we've learned and that I can't wait to, to, to use friends for that purpose. Um, I mean, I can say some things about NeoSwap, but maybe Drew, do you have more that you want to kind of build on uh, the, yeah, the needs mean, that you're satisfying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I did a residence program with the Stacks Foundation um, and through that I did a lot of research with different communities and talked to a lot of community managers um, and pretty much across the board, there's, you know, it's not really community management at this point is just a matter of kind of staying afloat. Um, it's not, no one can even be proactive because they're spending so much time doing manual things. I mean, if you, just to take one tiny example, we're starting to see a lot of collaborations, which is amazing, where some new NFT project will come up and they'll reach out to an existing project and say, hey, we'll give you some whitelist spots that you can give to your members um, you know, and then they will then the, you know, the collaboration group would then promote them and do a giveaway. Um, and then they'll get given away. Well, this is a hundred percent like done by the community managers. So they're reaching out to the other NFT projects. Then they have to sort of figure out, you know, how to transfer these whitelists. The, the one that's giving away the whitelists, they have to decide how to give it away, do they install a bot for this? Um, you know, there's everything. And then they have to sort of send the wallet addresses and the Discord users to the, you know, the, the originator of the collaboration. Um, and people always get lost in the shuffle. We've all been lost in the shuffle or had to manually reach out to a mod or something. So it's just messy. And that's how everything is right now. And I think that's a huge problem. And then the second problem is, um, and it's also sort of related around Discord, is security. Stacks has been fortunate in that we haven't had any NFT projects really get hacked. But in Ethereum, it happens all the time because their, you know, Collab Land is their wallet validator. And 
it sends DMs. So, well, that's an easy one to hack because basically you just spoof them, send them a link, and now they've given you permission to access their wallet. And this kind of stuff happens everywhere, and, and it's a real problem. Um, so I think those two problems really are probably the biggest. Um, and that doesn't even get into actually like growing the communities, actually creating engaging communities and, and all those other things, we're still at a very, very foundational layer of getting things going. No, um, a lot of those things that you mentioned, and we have some Blue Studios community folks in here. Um, yeah, I've gone through all those processes of manually uh, passing, helping, you know, working with another NFT project for letting our uh, community get on a whitelist, me having to manually send over wallet addresses and, um, you know, yeah, we, we stopped using Collabland uh, for wallet verification just because there's been too many hacks around it. So we do that manually, too. So, yeah, I, I've definitely uh, felt all those pain points. And I know our community uh, managers have gone through that, gone through all those uh, pains that you've mentioned. Hey, Kelly, if I can kind of add to that uh, in terms of challenges. There's also, I think, something that's been surprising to me once I've gotten into Web3 is just how much social activity and economic activity are really tied together. And I think that has been lost a little bit in Web2. Like, if you think about the history of, you know, towns and villages, that kind of thing, the place where commerce happens is usually also the place where there are fairs and there's festivals. I mean, you have kind of a market, right? You've got a market where there'll be like an artist market one day and a farmer's market the next day. And that's the place where the community comes together. And I think that in Web 2, you had these giant centralized marketplaces like, uh, you know, Amazon will be the main example or Google is a, essentially a centralized marketplace for ads. Uh, you know, a Apple has their app store and that's a centralized marketplace. So you have these big centralized marketplaces. And I think there's something kind of dehumanizing about that. And I think one of the things that is great about Web 3 is that it puts a lot of the elements of what it is to be human back into the digital space. Right. You have these smaller communities. You can interact. You have NFTs, which are uh, non-fungible, just like items in the real world. That in real life, things are actually mostly non-fungible. The idea that everything can be duplicated, that's not how the real world works. It's not how we're expecting things to work. So in Web3, we get the human experience back in the digital space. And organizing trades in that digital space is a challenge. If, you, if you've ever been in a Discord trying to work out a trade with somebody else or with a group of people, it's very hard. And I think one of the things that's really satisfying for us at Neoswap is we organize these parties to facilitate these multi-way trades. But then it turns out they're super fun. And we do a Twitter space. And I think, you know, I can see some people, Hamza here, as he's been in, and I think Jake has been in some of these uh, events. They're really fun. People get to get to know each other. And yes, we're trading items. But to an extent, the trade is an excuse to get together. And you get to know people. You get to talk about the items. Uh, so I think that there's that there's been a divorce between economic activity and social activity. And I feel like that's coming back together now with web three. And I think it's very healthy. No, no, I agree. I completely agree. Um, and I do think sometimes people, you know, you see like just JPEGs or, you know, kind of interesting slang going on in the space. And I think sometimes um, people don't see that until they're, they're deeper in it and see how, how much more human web three makes the internet, um, in, in when it's used in the right way, I'll say. So, um, John, I'll keep uh, digging in with you. So you have a, um, obviously you're a mathematician, you have a PhD in computational neuroscience. Um, you founded a successful AI business. 
Um, I was curious about like, you know, are there any like theories um, based on your, your background and knowledge um, in computational neuroscience that you mm. use to develop NeoSwap? Mm. Yeah. Well, also, I should just clarify my postdoc is in computational neuroscience, um, not my PhD, but just to, just to be, yeah. So I, um, I would say that the, it's more my market. Okay. Look, I think in terms of the postdoc, what I learned a lot about that was kind of adjacent to the computational neuroscience was evolutionary psychology because I did it in a psychology department. And I've found that the evolutionary psychology is um, very relevant to web three, because I think the way that people interact with each other, it's something that's evolved over a very long period of time in a world where you had a lot of scarcity and you had items that couldn't be substituted with each other. And I think that the, the way that people interact in web three is actually much more the way that, that people have evolved to interact with each other. And I think that's why it's, it's more human. So I would say as far as my postdoc uh, and web three, that's, that would be the lesson in terms of the math. I mean, it is true that my math skills were relevant, but it was a lot of really market research that goes into making NeoSwap work. It's more um, computational market research, if that helps. No, those are those are all um, super interesting. Um, but yeah, um, evolutionary psychology. What? How? How would you describe evolutionary psychology? I'm just curious for the the audience. Mm. Well, I mean, it's really the idea that if you want to understand why people act the way they do, because I mean, all of us, I think, have the experience sometimes where we feel like we don't even necessarily understand understand ourselves. Like, why do we care about the opinion of strangers? Right? Like, you go into Starbucks in a different city, you do something embarrassing, and you're like really worried about what all those people think of you, but you're never going to see them again. <laughs> Why does that matter? It doesn't make any sense. And the answer is that when we were evolving as a species, there were a very small number of people in our lives. There were like maybe 200 people that we were ever going to meet in our whole life. And the opinion of those people mattered a lot. And if those people thought that we were, you know, fools or whatever, we were, could get ostracized from the group. And it could be terrible. <laughs> Right. It could just be literally literal death. If 200, if the people around you don't think very highly of you in a tribe, that could be the end of your life. So I think there's uh, so Lita Cosmides and John Tooby or actually at Santa Barbara, where I did my um, postdoc. And they were two of the three people. The other would be Steven Pinker at Harvard, uh, kind of led the charge in evolutionary psychology. So uh, my, my wife, who is on this call, is actually a Ph.D behavioral uh, psychologist, and she's supposed to know more about this than I do. But uh, I think it's very important to, if you want to understand why do people act the way they do, think about what was the environment, sometimes they call it the environment of evolutionary adaptation, the EEA, uh, what was the environment that we were evolving in? And that will give you a lot more insight into why people are the way they are than trying to make sense of, you know, no one is meant, no one is supposed to be Elon Musk, where billions of people know you, right? It's not normal to be able to say something and hundred million people hear you. That's not something anybody's used to. Um, so it's, I think a, a really good way to understand the strangeness of human beings is to think about evolution and how it impacted um, the way that our brains evolved. Wow. That's interesting to think. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the more uh, we think uh, we've evolved from our original uh, programming, I guess we're, we're more like our, uh, we're more simple than we think. <laughs> so that's. I, I think we're more complex than we think. That's what I think. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that. And, and actually, I think Web3 actually puts us back closer to the world that we evolved in. Mm -hmm. That it's very unnatural 
to like you know i see i think jake ryan jake uh, ryan is on this call um he's a musician right and once upon a time musicians were very i mean musicians are special people we forget how special musicians are that it used to be if you wanted music you had to have an actual musician and the musician was going to make music and when the music musician stopped playing the music was over and that was the end of the music there was no recording there was no duplication right and so these things are not natural and it's much better now to go musician records a song it's on an nft you can sell the nft now there's one maybe owner to that nft that's a lot closer to the way it used to be back in the day where if you wanted to have musicians you had to pay for musicians to come to your house or whatever you had to you know there are pianos in every house you had to buy uh sheet music and someone had to learn how to play the music that it's better to that that that's closer to what is fulfilling to us as a human and so i think in web3 with nfts we can go back closer to that human way of living, but we can get some of the advantages of um, also being digital. Makes sense. I love it. All right. So I'm going to go back to Drew. So we'd love to know how you basically have been choosing or how, how do you choose like which projects, communities that you've been onboarding to friends. Um, and then if you have some communities that you work with, um, tell us some that you've been really inspired by, or you think have some really great best practices. Yeah, so we don't choose communities. They choose us. Uh, we're currently free. And um, so one of the things, so our app right now has a few basic features, but one of them is a wallet verification for stacks. So that's that will always be free. Um, and also token gating so that if you do an NFT, you can then, auto-assign roles in Discord to people who hold the NFT or hold a certain amount. You can set different levels if you want um, and multiple NFTs. So those pieces are free. So anyone can, you know, come to friends.place and download it, install the bot, and there's a dashboard um, and it's evolving. And then we also have um, what we call Friends of Friends, which is essentially a way for inviting people to your community and, and being rewarded points when they do um, and if you invite someone who invites someone else, you get some points for that too. So um, that's kind of the direction we're headed in. So that's free um, for a while, indefinitely right now. We're probably going to do some sort of NFT gating later in the year, but we'll have a lot more tools by then. Um, we're also going to build a community um, connector that allows for easy collaboration. Uh, so we're putting that together right now, and that will probably always be free too so that communities can, can connect with one another and, and do these collabs. Um, so I haven't really been picking them. They sort of find us, you know, we, we're partnered with Gamma, we're partnered with Layer, so we get referrals from them. Um, and yeah, there's tons of interesting projects. Um, it, it's great because I, oftentimes new projects come to me. So they come to me when their discords are like pretty empty. So I've seen some new ones coming online um, and there's some really interesting projects out there um, surfing.com has an NFT project that they're minting at heylayer.com uh, called Wave Riders. Um, and that's really interesting. It's sort of a club membership into this surfing club. Um, there's the Mintery for the first cohort. Um, I worked with a lot of them. I sort of helped mentor, mentor them in getting started with their community. There were a lot of just artists and things. And there's some great stuff. There's a, a woman named Grace High, H-Y-E, um, who is in Paris. And she has this beautiful sort of watercolor art. And she's creating these collections 
Um, I love the work she's doing. Uh, there's a gentleman that's doing a tree project um, and his project, uh, I'll have to remember what it is called, but he, he lives in sort of the rainforest of British Columbia and they're chopping down old growths up there intermittently. And so he's trying to create a financial model to subsidize these old growth trees so that there's a, a reason for people to keep them up instead of chopping them down and selling them. Um, and that can be recurring revenue as well. So it's not like they just chop it down, get the money for the wood. They actually get some money and then there's sort of ongoing revenue. So, um, which I think is an interesting approach to, to that problem. Um, yeah, so many great, so many great. And what's interesting is like every community has a different following. So when you go into their discord, you know, some of them are like loud and aggressive and they have poker nights and all this stuff. And then other ones are more chill and they're sort of like stacculants, you know, like everyone's so friendly and nice and cute. And uh, it's just really interesting going from community to community. I love it. Dr I love it. Yeah. We oh, need go ahead. I, I was just going to say, we desperately need your tools. I don't know why we're not using them. I thought there was some wait list. So Drew, we're going to follow up after the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I should have it. Awesome, I love it. So um, well, I'm gonna talk a little bit about Stacks. Um, so Stacks is um, one of the chains or the main chains that both of you guys are building on. Um, can you guys talk to the, tell the audience what attracted you most to Stacks? Okay, well, I would say, uh, first off, I'm much more a believer in Bitcoin as the base layer for the global economy because it's more decentralized. It's going to stay as proof of work. I mean, I think it's, it has, it has many advantages of all the chains out there as uh, the best choice for the base layer. And I think building on top of Bitcoin makes the most sense to me in terms of adding functionality. You have something super solid as underneath everything and then you build on top rather than trying to do, you know, it's like, uh, there's what that, Chinese proverb is that that if you chase, how's it go? I think if you like chase two, uh, oh, it's a, yeah, a dog that chases two rabbits catches neither. I think that's the same. And so it's like with Ethereum, you're trying to be the base layer and you're trying to add computing functionality. And you end up with a situation where it's just not well suited for at the end of the day either. I mean, it's approximately, I mean, I would say it's, it's revolutionary technology, but at the same time, it's trying to do two things at once. So it's better to separate those functions, those two different functions have a base layer where you have a store of value you have something that's really incorruptible and then you build on top and the tools that we need and uh, the rest of the team at stacks have built are really excellent i mean they're great for developers the clarity language it's uh really thoughtfully designed uh, our team loves working with clarity uh, so i would say it's a pretty easy choice for us honestly to start building on stacks and on top of that the community is fantastic i love the stacks community it's so supportive so enthusiastic super positive I mean, if we had built NeoSwap on Ethereum, what would have happened is there, people would have used it for 10 seconds when it was brand new, said this sucks, and given up. And instead, what we had, a lot of people very understanding because it's a brand new idea. They were very supportive. They worked with us every day. We've got some people who come to literally every single trade and give us feedback all the time. And I think we never would have gotten that on other chains. So it's a great place to build. So I think Stacks is technically the best, and I think their community is also uh, is also excellent. So I, I feel like it's one of the best choices I've ever made in my life to build on stacks. 
Yeah, I mean, I would echo a lot of those points. Um, I got into Stacks back when it was Blockstack. I actually invested in their original coin offering. Um, I, I also saw like the potential of, of being built around Bitcoin. Um, I, I totally agree with that, uh, having that as sort of the base currency. Um, I also like their original idea, which was can't be evil, right? It was all about building, like rebuilding the entire internet infrastructure, but without middlemen. Um, you know, it's just a decentralized network of, of dApps. Um, and that was, I, I really got into that. Um, and then as Stacks 2 came out and more, you know, the staking model is s smart and um, a strong way to sort of tie Bitcoin in. Um, and then, you know, like John said, and I'll echo this 100%, from a builder's perspective, this is a great environment, right? There, there are so many fewer bad players than there are in Ethereum. Um, you know, I was explaining this to an investor because we're raising funds right now. And um, they're like, why did you build on Stacks? They had never heard of it and they didn't get it. And I said, look, if I was building on Ethereum, for me to build an MVP as sort of a Discord bot, I would spend a majority of my time building security and focusing on all these things that had nothing to do with what I actually want to build because there were so many bad players on Ethereum. Um, and, and, you know, look, if Stacks gets big, that might happen here too. But the point is, is it's just a great little community. And then the support that you get from all the different players from, you know, the foundation has been super supportive of the work I've been doing. People in the community have been super supportive. I've made so many connections. Um, I feel like I have like a huge network of friends within this community. Um, and, and that's an amazing thing that I, I haven't experienced in any other blockchain group. So. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, you guys have touched on this a little bit on this question during the conversation, but um, I'd love to dig deeper into the, the tech perspective. So what are some of the challenges of building on the blockchain and how have you guys been able to overcome those challenges? Well, I would say that for us, one real challenge that that's uh, kind of it just has to deal with is that it, relative to other blockchains, it's slow. And it's slow because of the design choices that are intentionally made. The fact that it settles on it when you uh, basically to write to the Stacks blockchain, you have to wait for a Bitcoin to get mined, which means that you are only going to settle every 10 minutes or so. So that means that there are some real speed issues. And for us, when we have a 13 way trade and we have a contract that 13 people have to sign, it is a real challenge that you have to wait maybe 10 minutes to, until people can sign it. Ideally, what would happen is you figure out what trade is going to happen, press the button, contract gets deployed, everyone signs and then everyone leaves. Uh, so that's a real challenge. Now, Stacks is working to overcome that with something called Hyperchains, which is a kind of third layer that's going to sit on top of Stacks that will enable, you know, take transactions that take a take 10 minutes down to, say, one minute. And that's a huge improvement. Uh, so I think that's one challenge. Another challenge is that because, I mean, it's, it's, it's like anything where anything remarkable usually has a strength and a weakness. And oftentimes the weakness is the strength, you know, just in a different form. So with Clarity, 
Clarity is very thoughtfully designed as a language. It's designed so you basically can't make serious errors <laughs> to some extent, and it's very readable. Um, but the flip side is that it's less, it's flex, less flexible. And so from a developing standpoint, sometimes it means it's a little bit harder to work with. You have to write contracts. You have to write code to write the contracts. I mean, there's extra thing, extra steps you have to take. But all in all, I think that these are the the challenges we're dealing with are going to get resolved. And we've got there's a great team at Stacks working on them. And I feel like you know, they made the right choices. And sometimes you just have to do work up front um, in order to make sure you have a solid foundation. We have the sort of benefit of we're kind of like a web two hybrid model, right? We don't have any smart contracts that, that we use yet. Um, I think we'll probably have some tools that can make it easier to do NFT drops and, and rewards for community members. But um, short of that, um, you know, we haven't had to do that. So most of our requirements from the blockchain is simply authenticating the wallet and reading it to see NFTs. Um, but I will say, you know, one of the challenges with Stacks is it's, you know, the, the main net was released last year. So, you know, they're not as far along as Ethereum. If we were on Ethereum, we have things like Infura and Alchemy and the graph. So we can really create queries and, and these things can be super easy to consume blockchain data. Um, but on Stacks, it takes a little more schmudging and you kind of have to <clears throat> sync some data on your on your own side of things um, if you want to have timely information in, in regards to the blockchain so that that's been our biggest challenge so um drew i'm gonna keep uh going with you for a second so i know you have an extensive background in i didn't know web one as well too <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but specifically in product. Um, so what are some of the things that you've been able to bring over from your Web 2 product experience into Web 3? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think we have all experienced with Web 3, if anyone's done any, you know, dApps or anything, um, is that typically the sort of user experiences somewhat lacking <laughs> for lack of a better word and i think you know trevor who um is managing partner of the stacks accelerator stacks ventures um you know he says if you're competing on design you're really late to the game um and i think that's just it's just a nature of where we are in in the evolution of blockchain and the fact that a lot of builders are very technical people um you know, the, the full move of, I, I don't, there, there aren't tons of product managers that have moved here. Now that, that's changing um, as we speak, but, um, you know, it's pretty nascent in terms of how to product manage a decentralized application. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to bring, at least to my project, is really always staying in touch with users you know, the thing that I learned over years and years and, I, and you know, mo before I jumped into Web3 full time, I started a product and strategy practice for a consulting firm in D.C. And, you know, sort of putting down a practice that 
figuring out what best practices are and how we can make the most impact for customers, we had to be very focused. And the number one way to do it is to really understand who the users are and what problem you're solving. And so for me, I always come back to that. Um, and I encourage that with anyone else that I, that I talk to in this, in this sphere is you just, you have to go back to like, what problem are you solving? And making sure that you're actually solving the right problem in the right way. Uh, because it's easy to get sidetracked on like having this vision of what you should build. Um, but it means nothing if people aren't actually going to use it and if it's not actually usable. So, um, you know, I do my best to integrate that and, and also encourage partners and other people to, to embody that ethos as well. No, that's, I think that is, um, that is very true. I mean, I think, uh, like you said, we're just in the beginning of kind of like the, the web three product manager, but it's definitely needed <laughs> very much. So, um, but I will actually use that too, as a segue into the next question. Um, so both of you have, um, very, um, unique backgrounds and, you know, we have a lot of folks who want to jump into the Web3 space, whether um, they want to do an NFT project or actually build a Web3 um, company. And but, you know, a lot of people, if they're not super or don't feel super technical, um, believe it's they don't have relevant skills in the space. So what is some advice that you would give to folks who, who don't feel like, you know, hardcore devs, but they feel like they want to jump into the space? Well, from my perspective, there's a huge need for outreach and for, I mean, you could call them, you know, evangelists or, you know, and anyone like right now, Web3 is so young. I mean, the fraction of people, even just in America that are using Web3 is still relatively small. I mean, it's a lot like the internet in the mid nineties where there just is a big need to educate people on Web3 and its benefits and to onboard people. So I would say, I mean, three of our latest hires at NeoSwap have all been related to outreach. Um, one of, I mean, I don't know if, I, if any of you on here know African Illustrations, uh, Shudu uh, leads that. He, we hired him as head of growth recently. Um, and he's great. You know, he was an electrical engineer. He got into NFT art, and now he's a crypto educator. And Kelly, I think you're doing this, the same thing. I mean, I know you have a very strong technical background, but I think you're playing a really important role in the, um, you know, in all of Web3, bringing so many people into the space. I think there's a huge need for that. So I think that, um, you know, just to talk again about Jake, because he's a friend of mine, you know, he's a musician, he gets into the Web3 space, now he's got his songs to radio platform that he's building. So I think that there's um, almost anything that you're doing, if you can be an interface between that space that you are already in and Web3, there's a need for you uh, in, in this field. So... That's a, that's a place to start. So yeah, of course, if you're a front-end developer, there's a lot to do. I mean, if you're technical, there's a lot to do. But uh, if you just want to get involved, you can play the role of kind of ambassador between the world that you were in and this new world. Yeah, that, that's, um, you know, more and more, there's so much capital coming into this market, even though it's a bear market. There's so many good ideas coming out of this technology that it's hard to it's hard to see when you're on the outside, but when you're on the inside, it's there's so much going on. Like 
all the people in the accelerator right now, and these are pre-seed, seed level, most of them ideas. So they're just sort of in the phase of like the idea becoming re- real. In a few years, this is going to be crazy. There's going to be so many different opportunities and ideas. So I think first and foremost, understanding the technology, like participating in in some communities, buying an NFT, trying out DeFi, just understanding what these things are and, and how they work is going to be a huge step and it will put you ahead of anyone else who wants to move into this realm. Um, <clears throat> you know, from a developer's perspective, um, I have a course on Ethereum on LinkedIn and so I get a lot of messages for this. And what I tell people is, you know, writing smart contracts, yes, there's a learning curve. There, it's a whole new way of thinking and architecting you know, a decentralized app, but every single other part of that application is typically in technologies that are very well recognized, React, Node, JavaScript, TypeScript, you know, HTML, CSS, SAS, all all those sort of traditional web development software. So that's all available. Um, And I see a lot of people coming in and helping with community. And I think that's a really good way to get a handle on this. You know, as I said earlier, and as Kelly said, there's a lot of just manual labor that needs to be done right now to keep communities oiled and greased and moving. And so these communities are always happy to have some help. So it's pretty easy to come into a community that you believe in, you know, find something that you like, you like the art, you like the mission, you like the people. And, you know, just ask the mods if you can help out the creators. And most of the time you can, and it's an easy way to do it. You can do it when you want to on the side. There's, it's a 24 seven cycle here. These communities are, this is a global phenomenon. So these communities are always going. So if you can jump in an hour here, an hour there, or even just respond to Discord messages and things, it's a huge help. Um, and just, you know, our Discord, which is linked to from our website, we're always looking to match anyone who's interested in sort of helping communities out, whether it's you're like a, an experienced community manager, or if you're just new and you want to get that experience. Um, I definitely recommend, you know, coming into our Discord, being there, because more and more we're getting new communities coming in and, and they're looking for help like this. So I think that's a real easy and, and helpful way to come into the ecosystem. Awesome. And I just want to give everybody a heads up that we will be um, opening up the floor for questions soon. So start thinking about your questions and come on up to the stage. Um, just request to speak and we'll We'll bring you on up, so don't be shy. Um, th- these are some great folks that ask questions, so make sure to start thinking of it. And while uh, while you guys start thinking of it, I'll uh, keep asking uh, some more questions. So um, we'll also love to think about the future. So where do you see um, the broader role of you know crypto, NFT, webs th- Web three, and their impact? Um, and or also where do you would you like to see it go? Well, for me, I'm very interested in a much more efficient economy. I think there's a huge amount of waste right now. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of statistics like this where, for example, 50% of the 
used goods that get donated to thrift stores never gets used again, right? A huge amount of furniture that is perfectly useful just gets thrown away. 70% of high fashion ends up in landfills. So there's a huge amount of waste in the physical world. And I think that as more and more of the ownership of real world items gets recorded on chain, it'll become much easier to trade those items. And that will lead to a much more efficient economy. And so we are right now focusing on NFT trading in a purely digital form, but I'm very interested in the connection between something that's called a digital is a term for physical and digital together. Very interested in that relationship. And I think that Web3 is going to hold the key to unlocking a much more efficient economy where we actually need a lot less money and goods and services are being traded more directly, value, you know, value to value type trading. And the net result will be that we will be able to have the same economic output with far fewer resources, or we potentially have a much higher economic output, and then we all enjoy a higher quality of life. So um, that's the vision that excites me most about Web3, in addition to the returning of the human experience to the, dig to the uh, digital space. I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear that uh, I think community is going to be a huge part of the future of, of this technology. Um, I think, you know, what happened during the pandemic where all of a sudden people were be able to work from home and we like survived that. And not only did we survive that, it became almost a preferred way for most companies uh, to operate. I think the continuum is going to extend because the thing about the, the what's different about web three communities and previous communities is the concept of ownership. So when you have a regular community, it's really hard to get everyone together, for example, to buy the constitution, to get enough people to do that, to raise $10 million. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult, but now if you can buy a token, and your token represents your stake in that piece, that's ownership. And that makes this a much more engaging type of community because you can be really involved. And I, I could definitely see a future where we, people get together in DAOs and other online communities to further for all kinds of purposes, social, but also commercial and professional. I don't see any reason why a DAO would be any less successful as a corporation if the people in it are engaged and working towards something. And as long as they're creating value, th that increases the value for everyone in the community because they all own part of it. Whereas a corporation is just using people to make money for the people at the top. DAOs are making value for everyone who contributes. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and it certainly is utopian. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, if, if there's anything that can destroy utopia, it's this timeline that we're on. <laughs> but um, I still think that there's a lot of potential. And I think in the future, it very much could be that people will work for DAOs or may work for multiple DAOs. And, and, they're, and maybe they have a DAO that they're in that's providing their health insurance, right? Like, Corporations had to provide that before because of the nature of that top-down structure. But if all of a sudden we have a more equal structure where we all have ownership, we can outsource that to other things. as well. There are other solutions for that. So I think there's infinite possibilities, and we are very much in the early days of this. So it's very exciting. 
Awesome. I see we have um, some folks. So I'll start with Antonio. Come on up to the stage. Ask your question. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Am I loud and clear on here? I know I got different headphones on. I can hear you. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for doing this. Um, I'm not in my head as you all speak because um, I'm, I'm just appreciative of, of the um, weekly opportunity that you all are providing as far as like elevating the conversation and, and genuinely bringing more awareness to what's going on, not only in the NFT space, but in the Web3 space um, in light of everything that we tend to um, hear about when it comes to like work pools and a lot of the negative things. Um, it's, it's, it's refreshing to actually hear about um, projects that are um, investable, um, scalable, and, and really making an impact. So, so thank you guys for um, doing it. Kelly and John and Drew, um, you all are, are doing amazing work. Um, I'm laughing a little bit too because uh, I'm starting to notice a common thread among the project owners here that uh, with, with the origin stories, right? Because um, it, it tends to um, birth projects that are coming from people's passions and childhood stories. So, John, when you were talking about um, your parents um, providing gifts during the holidays um, without adding people's names to them and, and you know, trading them um, to, to people in the family, uh, I think, frankly, that it's a couple of lessons that can be learned from that in and of itself. So I think that's really cool that your parents kind of uh, facilitated that with the family. So all right, I, I got my spiel out. So, so let me ask my two questions here. Um, John, uh, your platform, it seems like it's really cool um, and that the communities have a lot of fun with it. So I, I, you know, I'm envisioning people relaxing with their drink of choice and you know, they have budget limits, so they can't overspend, and they're swapping, and they're there to have a good time and connect. I would be interested to know if there were any unexpected positive outcomes from um, your Neo Swap events, or, or any insights that you were able to glean from those that were unexpected, that really turned out to be really, really cool. I would love to learn if mm -hmm. something like that happened. And then for for you, Drew. Um, all the solutions that you tend to be offering with friends is really cool, but I noticed that you launched with just the Discord bot first, and I wanted to know the strategy because I'm assuming that that was calculated, right? Like, what was the thought process for launching with the Discord bot first? I can make some assumptions and guesses because I think it's really smart to do that, but I want to hear from you first. So, so thank you. You want me to go first? Okay, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, so that's a great question, uh, really good question. Um, and yeah, our, our intention is to be sort of technology agnostic in the future, where we sort of have a, a separate app that that resides outside of everything else. Um, but my experience in product and startups has taught me that you go where the most pain is. <laughs> And there was, I don't think there was a single person on user research that I did. And, and I, I interviewed both community 
members and community owners that didn't complain about Discord. There are so many pains people are having around Discord. So it seemed to me that we can create the most impact the fastest by starting with the Discord bot. And then the other piece is that sort of network effect that can happen. So as people move from community to community and as community members start using our tool, um, it gets propagated. Now, we're going to be building some tools so that community managers have better visibility into their community. And that means, you know, how people are interacting and who this sort of big people are that share a lot and invite people a lot and, and um, interact a lot. But this is going to end up being a reputation because the more we can track this in all these discords and eventually other chat apps too, the more you can create this sort of portable reputation that goes along with every member so that community managers can quickly recognize when someone comes into their community who has potential to have a lot of impact. And so that's going to benefit the members because they'll own this. And that's also going to benefit the community managers. And it becomes a flywheel for creating this network effect where everyone's growing together. So I think the most impact right now can be done in Discord. And the beauty is also is that for the most part, communities are using Discord and Twitter. And that's it. So if we can integrate with those now, then as that as it fractionalizes and as things break up with new options, we can just be essentially creating plugins for all those things. Awesome. So I have two more questions. So Kilroy, you can go next and then unwanted crypto. Um, and want to make sure that everybody sticks around till the end um, because we're going to do our unstoppable domains $50 credit giveaway to everybody who attended. So I'll make sure to tell everybody exactly how to redeem their credit. So okay, Kelly, can around. I quickly answer Antonio's question for me? Uh, oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I thought, um, sorry about that. I'll, no, it's uh, okay. I'll move on. <laughs> yeah, just a short answer would be the biggest thing that surprised me is how social the trades are and the parties. We were at the beginning, we were only doing them because it's the best way to, um, get the data for the AI that we're training. However, it turns out they're surprisingly fun and there's a huge amount of value. I honestly think people just trade stuff around even if they don't care just because it's fun to hang out. So, I mean, it turns out like, the trades are excellent. They're surprisingly good. But that was a big surprise to me. It was just how fun it is to hang out and trade stuff with your friends. Uh, and there's a big social need there that's being met by that activity. So that was, that was a surprise for me. Thanks so much. All right, Kilroy, ask your question. Hello, guys. Good day to you. Uh, I'm Kilroy from the Philippines. Uh, uh, hello, Kelly. Hello, Drew. And uh, hello, John. And uh, to all the listeners out there. Yeah. Uh, here's my question. Uh, coming from, uh, from a newbie, uh, the challenges for Web3 in terms of privacy and safety and censorship has been a, a, a great big deal right now, and uh, yeah, and uh, I and uh, I agree with uh, with uh, with the notion that uh, everything evolves, just like uh, us humans, everything evolves. So uh, with technology, this also in, uh, evolves 
to uh, to uh, to to a certain point where uh, where uh, it is conducive. So my my question is, uh, with regards to the challenges for Web three in terms of privacy, safety, and censorship, what needs to be done to keep the community safe and conducive? That's all, folks. Uh, anyone can uh, answer. Uh, it can be uh, John or uh, Drew. Thank you very much. Well. Let me just say, economically safe, you need to make sure your transactions are secure. And I think that that is, maybe it's a bit of a boring answer, but it's really true. That if you have scams going on all the time, that's just going to destroy trust in the community. And I think that, I mean, the worst example of this would be the whole, like, Luna Terra collapse. I mean, that was horrible. You know, people lost their life savings in what was basically a scam. Uh, that was a disaster. Now, on a lesser scale, you have all the scams that happen almost every day. There's some sort of hack on Ethereum. Uh, I think that it's one reason to build on stacks is that everything's so transparent. And when you conduct a trade, there might be a need to escrow items and you need to make sure that they're, that's all secure. And so having all the code out in the open, everything is audited. Uh, ideally, the code is open source and people can inspect it. I think that's all uh, you know, very important. I mean, I think a lot of the community management ideas do, can carry over from Web2. But I think in terms of the... Um, the security of the transactions, that's up to us now. There is no central authority that's going to fix things. You know, if you have a, if you have a Web3 transaction, suppose you pay someone for something and uh, they don't do what they're supposed to do. There's not really an easy way. There are sometimes ways to reverse charges, but it's not like you can just call Visa and say, hey, I want you to take this charge off my credit card. It doesn't work like that. So I think having strong mechanisms uh, to make sure economic transactions are secure is very important. Yeah, I mean, Discord is like full of holes. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with Discord. Um, and I think that's going to be solved by some uh, some of the tools like Console DAO that are coming out. But, you know, there still are problems. Like Console DAO still requires you to have an NFT. It's NFT gated or token. So what do you do about communities that haven't bought an NFT yet? How do you promote a community in the beginning? So... You know, I I don't have the answers to this, but I do think that um, there's just going to have to be better mechanisms me mechanisms in place to be able to stop people from from bad actors uh, because there's just too many ways that they can get in right now. Yeah, I mean, I I would just say I have no respect for people who are out there scamming because they're just making so much trouble for everyone else. And, you know, there was a, um, recently there were some people going around stealing copper from office parks near where I live. And the police estimated the people were making $2 an hour stealing the copper from the AC units and selling it, right? Just get a job, get an honest job. <laughs> Don't spend $2 an hour. You can get, make the money. I wish people would spend as much effort building stuff as they do scamming people. Like you could probably be much more productive spend your time building something so yeah but at the same time you know we have to have good mechanisms to protect ourselves we can't just rely on altruism no 100 percent um all right unwanted crypto hello um so first of all i love these things we do on thursdays and it's kind of related to my question so john said that on top of product being needed more in the space, more people in product, that 
he he thought that evangelism um, of Web3 was a really good thing. So I was just wondering, like, what are some good examples that you think are of evangelism, right? Like this this kind of thing that we're doing here right now with Blue Studios, that is internal evangelism within people who are already in Web3. But what are some good examples of, you know, within Web3 evangelism and also like outreach to people who are not already in Web3? Well, let me just um, give one example because I see her on this call. My wife, uh, Ruth Brown, is on the call. She's a professor, psychology professor, and she's involved with the Down syndrome community. And I've been talking to her about the need for Web3. And I think that there is a huge need. For example, anytime you have a nonprofit, you probably could benefit a lot from having a DAO. You know, I think that there's a huge amount of administrative overhead in nonprofits that can probably be outsourced to code. And so the you know, reason that Ruth is tuning in is because she's interested in setting up helping not you know nonprofits that are to help children with Down syndrome uh, set up some sort of a DAO. And that's one reason, Kelly, I really like you and Ruth to talk, because I think you have a lot of experience, um, obviously, in this area, and you could give her some guidance. So I think that looking for those situations where people are already involved in organizations and talking to them about Web3 and getting them interested, uh, that's probably a huge amount of value that can be released. Because just think about how many nonprofits there are out there or, you know, how many different, uh, you know, volunteer organizations there are probably in many of those cases, a DAO would be valuable. I mean, you, you want to be careful. You set it up. You don't just do it to do it. But um, I would say, you know, invite people to these calls. Kelly, you're a great host. I have to say you do an excellent job with this. And I think that somebody who's just learning about Web3 would, would benefit from attending one of these calls. So invite your friends to these calls and get them in and start thinking about, you know, what organizations are they involved in that might benefit from Web3. So, I mean, it's going to spread in a viral fashion, I think, over the next few years. Thank you for your answer. Um, was, was that helpful? Yeah, yeah, that was helpful. Um, I guess what I was trying to get also out of that is like, you know how, because I'm a content guy, I, I do um, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, and that kind of stuff. So, other than just so you 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 identify the vector by which like evangelism would be really helpful is identifying the audience of people who are in organizations and yes. that kind of stuff. So, but in in terms of the medium of evangelism, what other things can you see being useful there? Hmm. Well, Drew, do you have any? I mean, I don't want to hug all the space here. Did you have something you want to say? You're talking in terms of like where to be sharing the information. Well, I'm talking about like forms of event, um, information. Like, like there's right now that I, I find the most effective thing whenever you're onboarding someone onto Web three. Mm -hmm. It it's a lot of talking directly to a person right. and communicating, and um, like people can get um, knowledge effectively if they go to like YouTube or something and they watch a video, um, but. I guess what I'm trying to get at is mm -hmm. what what's the most effective way other than um, like directly talking to people that you found and like a bit more specifically than just, oh, a, a video on demand, you know, mm -hmm. even. Well, I mean, I would say I've onboarded a lot of people by offering to give them NFTs just to get just for fun, low value NFTs to get interested because people are curious, you know, to hear about NFTs in the news. And uh, say, okay, look, just go get this plug-in, 
you know, Hero Wallet plugin for Stacks. And I mean, yeah, you can do this on any blockchain. I'm just, we're on Stacks. And then, you know, send them some, lo, you know, low value NFTs and direct them to an NFT website. Now that we have Neo Swap parties, we can invite people to parties and they can trade those NFTs. So I actually think that Neo Swap and these parties will have a, a very positive effect in terms of getting people onboarded into the community. But, you know, the best way in my experience to get started in Web3 is to actually do stuff, to actually get a wallet and buy some things and uh, start to get, you know, your hands dirty. Um, yeah, the more uh, I'll second that the more experiential it can be, yeah. um, the better, you know, because if someone just watches a video on how to do it, right. that's like very different than like going and getting the wallet and doing all this. Like there's a lot of steps that where they can, you know, really get lost in the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it is I, I, it is one on one, you know, and I think that's part yeah. of it is like it's very there's a big community aspect to this and that is going to be in one on one interactions, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, I think all of us kind of would wish there was like a, you know, a mass market kind of solution <laughs> where you could just be like, tell people like, here, go in this direction and you'll get on board into Web3. But I mean, for those of us all who have been in, you know, Web1, Web2, Web3, um, I think we kind of forget because Web2 is so, um, and Web1 is so uh, old, but when we, when you first got on email like that was a one-on-one -on -one interaction with somebody showing you how to set up like AOL or whatever um when you got on Facebook that was a one-on-one -on -one interaction like somebody had to tell you like hey you're in college you can now you have a college email now you can get on Facebook that was a one-on-one -on -one, um interaction getting on board into that platform or even Twitter when it first started so I think maybe we've gotten a little kind of uh used to web too because it's so ubiquitous now but um, you know, that the easiest way to onboard people is through others. And I think that's why um, if you are in this space, like John said, we really have to take the scamming stuff very seriously because it, it is hindering people from wanting to be in the space. And so that's why we really have to work to identify like the safest communities for people to onboard in because it is a one-to-one -one trust that you have with the people in your community that you um, enter into this space in. Excellent. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with all those things. Um, when you talked about giving NFTs, actually, whenever I onboard a friend, I draw something for them and I mint it and I send it to their wallet. And now that I've been getting unstoppable domains credits, uh, what I do is, so the price of a domain goes down if you add the number 69420 to it. So, like, I got Alfred, Alfred69420.nft, because it was five bucks and I sent it to him. So, I think fun things and, like, personal collection connection is definitely the thing. And I definitely want to try out the swap stuff, because if it's social, I, I, I'm just really interested in how that is. So I'm going to check that out. Okay, great. Yeah, we'd be happy to have you. And if you need any help getting on board, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much. So great having you on. So really quickly, we're going to wrap up soon. So want to wrap this up with saying, hey, do you guys have anything that you can tease that's coming up next on your roadmap or any new alpha? And then always like to end with an ask. So how can this community support you and what you're building? Well, Drew, do you want to go first since I just answered the last question? Okay, sure. Um, I, I kind of already dropped my alpha, unfortunately, but <clears throat> um, we are working on tools for these community collabs uh, and other growth tools to connect social media and more. Um, we 
are also moving to Ethereum. So we'll be available on Ethereum. Uh, it's going to be a couple months, but we'll have a lot more tools by the time that happens. So, um, you know, I would encourage anyone to go and join our Discord. I love talking about community and having people in there talking about best practices. Um, you know, it helps us to learn more and where people are frustrated. So I highly encourage that. Um, and of course, any communities and stacks, I would say, download our, our bot and install it and, uh, and reach out if you need any help. Yeah, and in my case, I would say, you know, come to a NeoSwap party. We have a sign up form. Let me see if I shared this up here, Kelly. I think uh, I one of my pinned tweets, I don't see it now, but I did share that if you go to the Neo... White. Yeah, um, let me see. From the Stacks Deegan one? Yeah. Oh, there we go. I see there was just a problem okay. scrolling down. Yeah. So if you go to our website, oh, yeah, I'll share, I'll share it now. Actually, I've got a link for signing up for parties. And if you use the sign up link, yeah, here we go. Uh, what will happen is you'll get like a email reminder. It'll have instructions. So you, you'll get instructions through email if you click on this sign up link. So sign up for party. We're on Stacks now. Uh, if you want some alpha, we will be on Solana and then Ethereum later this year. Um, other alpha would be that there is a secondary AI layer. If you care coming to these parties, what will happen is after a while, you'll start to get emails with suggestions for trades you might like outside of the party. So that's that's coming as well. But the main thing is it's just, it's just fun. So sign up for a party, come, join the chat, join the Twitter space that we do and meet some new people, get rid of some NFTs that you don't want anymore and, and get some new NFTs, you know, in exchange or at a uh, you know, good price uh, and you'll have a good time. Awesome. I love it. So yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really um, enjoyed this conversation. I know the audience did as well. Um, and for everybody who joined today, as always, we'll give away a $50 unstoppable domain credit. Um, you can DM the Blue Studios Lab account and just say that you attended the spaces and we'll send you that uh, promo code. And again, we're super excited about our partnership with Unstoppable as part of our family wallet, um, which you can also see more details about because that um, announcement is pinned to that profile. Um, so thanks again for everybody. This is NFTs for Good. We're a weekly Twitter spaces that's all about highlighting the builders and founders in the crypto, NFT, and Web3 space. We do this at least once every week, and you can check out the schedule on our website www.bluestudios.io backslash nfts dash four dash good. Um, thanks again, John and Drew. Um, super excited about what you're building. We'll definitely be using those um, tools as well. Um, I'm excited and I'm just glad that you guys are really just helping, you know, keep the space fun and happy and, and safe because we need more of that. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's been an enjoyable chat. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Kelly. And you do a great job. You really are a great host. I have a podcast. I'd say you're much better at this than I am. So it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, you do a good here. job. I agree. I okay. appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, right. guys. So, Goodbye, yeah, thanks. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Oh, Kelly, I should say your, your episode is live, and I just haven't had a chance to promote it because we've been so busy with the seed round. But we will be promoting your, your episode on our podcast. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. More new stuff coming out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Awesome. So thanks again, and have a great evening, everybody.